morning. <laughs> Great. Um, welcome um, to the church. If you call this your home, if it's a visiting or if, if you've been here more than once, welcome. Um, you join us as we sort of are in the early stages of our, of our summer series um, in some of the parables that Jesus told in the book of Matthew. Um, today we're going to be in, in Matthew 13, verse 31 to 33. Um, I'll give you time to, to turn there and um, and then I'll and then I'll pray. Um, yeah, cool. So Matthew thirteen thirty one to thirty three. He put another parable before before them, saying, "The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it had grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree." so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it all was leavened. Let's pray and we'll kick in. Father God, thank you for bringing us here today, Lord. Thank you for um, giving us the space to to worship and and hear your word, Lord. Just pray that you'll... Um, help us to push away all of the distractions from, from, from you today, Lord, that you will help us to just hone in on, on what you want us to, to hear and take away from today. I pray that we'll be leaving here um, loving you more and knowing you more. I pray for the mechanics of this sermon, of the rest of the service, that they will go well, that there won't be things that, um, that, that I won't stumble over my words and that um, that your your word will be your will be preached here today, Lord. Um, if there's anything that is in my notes that you wish me to take out, I pray that you do that for me. And if there's anything that um, you want me to say that I have not planned to say, I pray that you will also put that on 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 my mind and 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 bring it out into into this sermon, Lord. Be with us as we as we spend time in your word now, and um, yeah, I pray that we we will love you more because of it. Amen. Amen. Cool. I did this sermon last week um, for uh, Hamlet Baptist Church in the morning. I took about 15 to 20 minutes, but I've added a bit more into it um, since then. So we are going to kick right in. Um, so yes, you join us in the early stages of our sermon series um, in the parables. Um, the book of Matthew um, is where we sort of find ourselves, at least for the beginning of it, um, and the book of Matthew was a book which sort of covers the life of Jesus. It's um, a, a gospel. It's written in, in a narrative way. So you read it as if um, this is something that happened rather than bits you can sort of just take away and, and add in. Um, right in the middle of um, the book, um, Jesus is delivering a series of stories called parables. And these parables are um, stories that Jesus uses that would have... Um, made sense to the people who heard them, um, and they would have sort of it would have been in their own sort of understanding and their own sort of day to day lives, but it would be pointing towards something that is greater, towards something that is um, um, much bigger than just the sort of small day to day things that they were describing. And in particular, he's talking in um, these parables about the kingdom of heaven. Now, Matthew, when he wrote the book, and, and I guess after he wrote the book as well, he was a Jew. Um, it, it, it was one of those you're all in or you're all out type things with that one, especially for the gents. Um, can't believe I said that. Um, yeah, so he 
the Jews um, throughout history have, have had a really sort of reverence for the name of God. They don't use the name, and instead of um, saying something that could maybe even be construed as the name of God, they would find the ways around it and sort of euphemize it a bit. So in the other Gospels, you'll, you'll see parables being um, told about the kingdom, of, the kingdom of God. In Matthew's Gospel, it's the kingdom of heaven. They're the same thing. They're sort of used interchangeably. There's no sort of like, oh, well, that, that refers to the kingdom of heaven, whereas that refers to the kingdom of God. And when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, the thing that he's talking about most, or the thing that he's trying to bring out is where he is king. It doesn't matter if it's kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is both where Jesus reigns as king. Now, this both refers to at the end of time, when um, Jesus has come back and is reigning victorious um, after his return. But it also refers to right now, because Jesus is king today. So, Jesus is talking here um, about the kingdom of heaven, and he conjures this image of a mustard seed. I'm going to need that later. (laughs) Um, He conjures this image of a mustard seed, and how it grows um, from a mustard seed into a mustard tree that is bigger than all the garden plants. And he refers to it as the smallest of all the seeds. And this passage is quite often used as um, an attack on biblical um, perfection and biblical inerrancy, which is um, the, the idea and the, the, the belief that everything that is hold, held and written in this book is perfect. And this is quite often, this, um, this passage is used as a, well, it can't be right because the mustard seed isn't the smallest of all the seeds. Technically, it isn't. It was the seeds more. Don't ask me. I don't know which ones. I should have prepared that. However, it's not. But if you think of seeds, the seeds that are in apples, that are in plums, they're big seeds. And then you've got smaller seeds. And then you've got smallest seeds. And the mustard seed sort of comes in this, um, this category of seed. Now, I went to Dobby's the other day. And not just for the cakes. Um, I'm going to hold up now a mustard seed for you. Uh, there we go. Can we see it? Yes. Oh, that didn't work very well. You shouldn't be able to see it, but it's <laughs> tiny, tiny, tiny seed. Okay, this seed grows into quite a hefty tree, branch, bush that can hit about thirty feet tall. Something this small turns into. Something 30 feet tall. Now, Jesus isn't seriously saying that this seed is technically and ultimately the smallest of all seeds. No, he's using something called hyperbole. Now, hyperbole is the intentional exaggeration of language to, to prove a point. It's, okay, Liverpool in 2019 won the Champions League. Okay, and if you read um, the Echo in the couple of days after, they they covered the parade that happened. And in this in this in this article, the Echo said the whole city came out to see Liverpool and um, the champions return and and march back into their city victorious. Now, if you know anything about football in this city, you all know that at least fifty percent of the city <laughs> was not out there. <laughs> Did anyone say, right, that's it, the Echo is a garbage newspaper, they're telling lies, we're not going to read them anymore? 
No, because they knew that the point of the article was to say loads and loads of people were out there. Jesus is doing the same thing here. He's, he's using hyperbole to prove a point. What is this point? He's saying here that at that point in time, the kingdom of heaven was small. But it is going to be big. Okay? And there's two ways that you can sort of interpret this and that it, it, it comes true. I'd say there's weight in both. Okay? He's saying that Jesus here is saying that at that very point in time, there was him, 12 of his mates, and a few others. That was the, the kingdom of God. That was where he was king at that point to those people. But that will grow to be more than any other kingdom and any other gospel in the world. Now, at the time, there were different idols and different religions that were sort of much more prevalent than, than Jesus and his, his disciples at the time. There was um, a pantheon, a, a load of different Roman gods that they'd adopted as they would invade other countries and other, other civilizations, and they would adopt those gods as their own. There was um, the worship of the Greek goddess Diana. There was a cult um, dedicated to a, a small g god called Mithras. There was worship to, to Baal. And there was a load of other mystery religions, like I say, that they would collect as they rampaged their way through Samaria and um, oh, ignore it, um, of, of other religions as they would invade and take over these places. Where are those religions today? Gone. Jesus and a handful of his followers, fairly insignificant in worldly terms at the time. Well, those 12, then, when Jesus ascended to, to be at God's right-hand side, in, in the book of Acts, we see that the numbers were growing day by day by day. Thousands came to, to faith there. And then somewhere between 300 and 400 AD, Rome adopted um, Christianity as a religion. Scripture was translated from um, Hebrew into, into Latin, Hebrew and Greek into Latin, and the Roman Catholic Church was, was founded. Around thir- between 1300 and 1600 um, AD, the Reformation happened, and we saw um, massive changes in the way that church was done and, and how, how the gospel became uh, available to, to, to the average daily person. William Tyndale, Tyndale translates the Bible into English in 1738. In the early, um, sorry, in 1738, Charles and Wesley, uh, Owen, sorry, no, Charles and John Wesley converted um, to Christianity and evangelical revival overtook England and Wales. And then in the early 1930s, Romney's Road Chapel was formed in a small pocket in Liverpool. And it grew into a well-attended church with people coming daily, not daily, weekly to, to hear of um, Jesus and to, to worship him together. In the 1980s, people went on to leave. And by 2008, 15 to 20 people were still there. And the phrase that one of the elders used who was there at the time was that they were burying more than they were baptising. 2009, it was revitalised with a focus towards and a drive towards church planting. In 2013, Cornerstone Wirral was planted. 2015, Lark Lane GC formed with a vision of putting the church in this area. In September 2017, it was sort of launched informally with a small group of us, eight, 
adults and three children meeting informally in, in a little pizza restaurant. Oh no, it wasn't pizza, it was tapas back then, mm-hmm. called Esteban. In February 2018, um, that, that then became um, a proper launch and we sort of said, we are doing this as a church, still with eight adults and three children. And now I think, and Neil can correct me if I'm wrong, there's now 22 adults and nine children who regularly attend the church. Might be a couple more, might be a couple less. And these stories of, from, from Jesus coming through to, to local churches who, who worship and, and love Jesus are repeated in cities and countries across the globe. Worshippers of Jesus, people who identify as Christians, make up around 2.5 billion of the world's, of the world's population. From Jesus and his 12 followers and other sort of disciples who weren't part of the 12. To 2.5 billion of the world's population. That mustard seed has grown and is continuing to expand. It is a mighty mustard tree. That small mustard seed that was Jesus and his community of friends has grown into a mustard tree bigger than all the other plants in the garden. Now, plants don't tend to, to grow in isolation. And the second half, and the second sort of way that you can look at this illustration, points towards the imagery about a personal faith. Quite often when you hear about like, conversations that you've had with um, someone who doesn't know Jesus, it, we talk about, like, oh, we just planted a seed. The hope is that that seed will then grow into something bigger. And, and in Jesus' illustration here, we see... Um, a picture of a seed being cultivated, um, a, a beautiful picture of faith being grown in and, and being cultivated and, and cared for so that it grows into a strong faith. The gospel, at the bare bones of it, there's more complex theology and, and things like that that you can look at if, you, if that sort of floats your boat, but at the very core of it, it's so simple. God made the world perfect. Our sin caused it to be broken. The wages and what we deserve for that sin is death. We couldn't pay that price, but Jesus did. He provided that perfect sacrifice to pay our death. And if we are, and if we can accept Jesus as Lord of our life, then we are counted as his. That's it. It's a simple truth. But when it grows, when that seed takes hold... The person, their life changes. They flourish. That small truth becomes an identity and becomes a faith that can move mountains. If you've been in our house, maybe over the past two months or so, it's been a bombsite. <laughs> we have pretty much renovated every room in the house in some way or another, Small paint jobs to Alan completely ripping out the kitchen. And I'm putting a new one in. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and one of the things that Beth really sort of wanted to do, she, she comes from the, the countryside, so she loves it, is put green in our garden. And not the type of green that you would normally find in the dingle. Okay. Now, she wanted to grow herbs and things that you can, that you can put into cooking and things like that. So we went out to Dobby's and we bought a load of herbs. We bought rosemary and chives and 
other herbs. Um, and when she put them in the soil, at first, nothing happened. And then they started to sprout these little green bits coming out of the soil. And then they grew into something bigger. And then it's bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was a promise of a thriving and a healthy herb garden. And it has, on, if I confess, been absolutely lovely seeing life and plants and stuff like that grow in our garden. Now, Beth can't go outside our house. She can't go into the yard without someone, one of our neighbours, having to hear, I am so happy with how my tomatoes are growing. <laughs> but it takes patience. It takes care. You can't just go outside and expect them to be there. You've got to water them. And she does that. She takes patience and she shows care and dedication with the plants. Every night without fail, she, she waters the plants. She, co- she shows care to them. She cuts the dead heads off the flowers. She moves them around to get to uh, the sun better. She tells off the children when they get too close to the strawberries. <laughs> Do we care about our faith in the same way? Are we that dedicated in cultivating the seed that's been planted and is growing in our hearts and our lives? Are we watering our souls with scripture? Are we removing the parts of life that are sinful or broken? Are we going to places that are going to prompt growth? Growth, Or are we letting our faith wither? Are we settling for something else? It talks about, in the, in the passage, that the, the mustard seed grows into um, a plant that is bigger than all the garden plants. It doesn't say that there aren't other garden plants. It says that it's bigger. You'll quite easy, like, just look at the other garden plants and sort of settle for those. When the mustard, when the mustard seed isn't growing as big, you can turn and go, oh, well, that's perfectly nice daisy. Kids, when we took them on the beach um, a year or two ago, um, Titus, and if you've tried to get Titus to do anything that he doesn't want to do, then you'll know this was the situation. But he had a bucket and a spade, and we pull up in the car, and he gets out of the car, and he sees this sand all over the car park, and he is, like, buzzing. He's got there, he's got the spade, and he's trying to shovel car park sand onto his, into, his, into his bucket to make, a, to make a sandcastle. Just over the hill. Just over the dune, there was a beach. And we said, come on, mate, let's go this way. He's like, no, I want to stay here. I want to stay on the beach. He'd not even got there yet. (laughs) How often do we substitute the the biggest plants in the garden for something less good? For something smaller, for something weaker, for something that is going to sort of pop up and, and die away and pop up and die away. Do we do that? When we went to Dobby's recently to pick up these herb seeds, we got home, we planted them, like I say, the chives grew and the the rosemary grew and the mint um, grew. But in some pots, nothing happened. You could say the time was wasted. But we, we sort of, we would look at these and we water them every night and it just wasn't coming. It just, there was nothing happened. So we, we ultimately, Beth ultimately decided to throw them out and start again. Praise God that he doesn't do that with us. Yeah. 
Praise God that the mustard seed is not responsible for its own growth. It's ultimately not us responding to our faith growing. Yes, we're called and we have responsibility to be active participants and we get to be active participants in, in our faith growing and um, our, our understanding of who God is. But praise God that it is not up to us. Praise God that it is him who nourishes, him who prunes us, who, who gives us seasons of rapid growth, who cultivates the seed that he has planted. And he will. And he will cultivate that seed. He will cultivate that faith, whether your faith is minutes or decades old. Praise God that he sowed the seed and he will reap the harvest. We worship a God who cares for his people, who cares and tends to his children. How does God appear when, when Mary sort of comes to the tomb? And how does Jesus appear, sorry, when Mary comes to the tomb and can't find a body? A gardener. Someone who cares, who is consistent. Someone who is about growth. Someone who is willing to deal with the dirt and the muck. That's the Jesus we know. That's the Jesus that we believe in, that we have a relationship with. Someone who wants to deal with the muck in our lives. No matter where we've come from, no matter what we're doing, he wants to deal with that muck. He's consistent when we aren't. He loves you. And he wants to see you grow to love him more and love his people more. So what happens to that mustard seed in, in, the, in the image that Jesus paints? But when it is grown, it is larger than the other plants um, than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. It becomes a tree that is bigger than all the garden plants. The small insignificant seed becomes larger than all the other plants around. It's distinctive. Matthew 5, um, Jesus gives a parable of salt um, and describes um, the kingdom of God as salt, as light and as a city on a hill. I'd argue, and I'd suggest, I wouldn't change it, but I'd suggest that you could throw in a mustard seed there. A mustard tree. Why? Because each of those things are distinctive. Each of those things are noticeable. The salt. Have you ever put too much salt on your chips? Andy, I know you don't. (laughs) Arguably. But if you ever put too much on your chips, you notice it. If you don't put enough, you notice its absence. If we were to close every door in this room, shut off the lights, put like blackout blinds over everything, turn the lights off, and then someone struck a match, the light would be distinctive. If you're in a valley and you look up to a hill and there is a city going on at the top, you'd notice it. Is your faith distinctive? In a world where there is no flavour is, is your faith salt in a world of darkness is your faith light in a world where everyone is in a valley is your faith that city on a hill that draws people towards it we went to B&Q for a plug and some polyfiller a couple of weeks ago and for some reason found ourselves in the garden section and we went and we ended up in the garden centre and, and all the plants around, Beth was like, would oh, you like this one? She was trying to involve me, but it, it, between looking after the kids and, and it being plants, I wasn't actually that bothered. <laughs> but she'd bring me up this plant and she'd be like, do you like this leaf? Do you like this leaf? Do you like this leaf? 
Anthony, to me, they were all green and leafy. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And as we were sort of going, she was like, do, do any of them, like, do you like any of them? And right in the middle, there was this big yucca plant. Have you never seen a yucca plant? It's like a palm tree, but smaller. Um, it was huge. It was massive. And it was poking up much, much higher out of any other plant. It was distinctive. Now, Beth, this isn't me saying that I want a yucca plant for our next anniversary. But it was distinctive. It was bigger than all the other plants in the place. Is that what our faith is like? It should be. That's how our faith should affect how we live, how we spend our money, our time, our energy, our resources. People should be drawn to our faith, not because of anything special that we do or um, because we look or dress or do anything particularly wonderful. The yucca wasn't even a nice looking plant, but it was distinctive. And before I wrap up and coming into the end now, um, there's two or three ways that I want this passage to show us how our faith can be distinctive. First distinctive, we are to be nests. The mustard seed grows into a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. When people come into this building, into our homes, towards our desks, into our offices, when we meet them at the shop, the restaurant, and the park, are they able to make nests in our lives? Are they welcomed? The world's broken. So much hurt in the cost of living crisis. People have been displaced due to, due to war and famine. People experiencing abuse. The amount of people who have been made homeless and are sleeping rough. People who are just trucking on with life. And everything sort of just seems fine for them. But really, you know that they're not doing that great. If they walked into this room, how would they be welcomed? If they walked into our home, how would they be welcomed? Be a home for the homeless. A refuge for the refugee. An oasis for the people who are in a spiritual desert. The clearest picture here is that the most mature, the older we get, the more our faith grows, we should be, a more, we should be more of a shelter for the vulnerable. What would, it look, what would it look like for Liberty Lark Lane to be a shelter, to be a nest for the vulnerable? The second distinctive, we are to seed. The second picture in the beginning of, of the, the image that Jesus uses is that of a seed. Now, as a church, we've been doing the table in the park um, evangelistic outreach thing that we've been trying to get people to sort of just have conversations with us. And we're very clear, we're very clear about what we're doing. We're giving out free cakes, but we're very clear about we're from a church. We want to talk to people about Jesus and we want to open those doors. We want to plant those seeds. And over the two months that we've been, two months-ish that we were doing it, we spoke to 93 people. Three of them have since come to church, and that's roughly about 3%. The sower plants a seed. The seed then grows into a tree, and is that where the cycle ends? No. The trees then seed, and the cycle is repeated. Mustard seed trees seed new mustard seeds which then grow into mustard-seeding trees that seed new mustard-seeding trees. I'm not even going to try that one again. Yeah. <laughs> Our prayer is that those seeds that were planted in the park, that when people come into this room, our prayer is that those seeds will take hold and grow. 
Where are the opportunities for us to plant those seeds more? What would Liverpool look like if every Christian told one person about the amazing work that Jesus Christ has done in their soul and then that seed grew and God saved them? There's currently around 8,000 residents in the Lark Lane, Edbeth and Dingle area. There's 22 adults in this room. If one of us told one person a week for a year, that'd be 1,144 people told. 1,144 seeds. If 3% of those, if we use the same sort of percentage that we got from the table and park, if 3% of those came to church, 34 people. And if we did that again and again and again, what would that do to the Lark Lane community? What would, what would this church look like? What would this area look like if we did that? The third distinctive and final one. Here we are. Okay. Um, we have to be life. The picture that is throughout this book, that is throughout this, this um, image that Jesus uses, this parable, is about life and growth. The gospel is ultimately about life. It's about growth. And we, as people, me, Matt Coppamore, 32 years old in the dingle, I'm, in, I'm insignificant. Everyone in this room is insignificant, and that's okay. Because we're about something that is not insignificant. We're about something that is going to grow and that is going to take people's lives and flourish. John 10, verse 10. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's what Jesus came for. He came so that we can have life. How is a seed planted? It's buried and then it grows. Galatians 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in is the flesh that I... I, And the life which I now live is in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. 2 Timothy 2, verse 11. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. That is what's going to be distinctive about our lives, that we are putting aside things that don't matter and chasing after the things that do. That we are planting seeds as our day job. I work for the IOBC. I've got people who work for schools, who work for um, themselves. Ultimately, that's that's our our second job. Our day job, our our everyday, what we should be doing is planting those seeds and being that distinctive life in our communities. Jesus loved us and gave himself up for us. So that we can have life and so that we can give life. Be distinctive. Be nests. Seed. And be life in our communities. I pray and then and then we'll worship again. Father God, thank you for this passage. Thank you that we can know you and, and love you and, and that that isn't where it stops. I pray that you will help us to be distinctive that you will help the seeds that you have planted to carry on growing, that we will not be sort of satisfied with where we are, but we will crave more of you, and that, that your, your, your gospel will be a, a mighty tree in our hearts, that, that it, will, it will flourish and that we can just um, grow knowing that you are our king and that, that, that we are living in, in your kingdom. 
I pray that you will then move that, that knowledge and that love for you into action. That, that in our communities we will be distinctive, that we will be um, oasises for, for people who are, are drowning, Lord. And that we will um, see this church and your church grow massively over the coming years. And I pray that you will help us to, to be active in that and to have a front season in seeing people come to faith and come to, to a life where they know that you are king. Be with us as we go out this week and, and help us to worship now as, as we sing and as we, as we, we glorify your name. Amen. Amen.